iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Fincher, Jesse Eisenberg, and this evening's guest moderator, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. They seem to like this movie, and they haven't seen it. So, you know, it's, it's all gravy from here. Yeah. All right, crucial first question to both of you. Have you friended each other on Facebook? <laughs> um, never been on Facebook. Oh, maybe that's why I haven't heard back from you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm also, also not, on, not on Facebook. It wasn't even a moment of curiosity that while you were doing this or before that you should just try it for a day. No, I've, se I've seen it over people's shoulders, mm -hmm. and I can see its addictive qualities, so I, I avoid it. Uh, I signed up during the rehearsal process, you know, um, just to understand what my character was talking about, but, uh, you know, stopped using it when we started filming. Do either of you use any social networking device? A telephone. <laughs> All right. I, I want to ask, too, from both of you, what... Does everybody here who hasn't seen the movie, and maybe some of you have, but people who haven't seen the movie yet, what do they need to know, if anything, going in? What do they need to know? Um, well, I mean, I, th I think that, you know, our, our biggest worry, not, not going into the filming of the movie, but coming out of the filming of the movie, all of a sudden there were people talking about this movie on, on their blogs, and um, they were saying, like, you know, why Facebook? Facebook's so boring. What a shitty idea for a movie. And, and um, so we had to really overcome that. And, and that's why the trailer became so important because we needed to get people to understand that it's not about Facebook. You know, it's about the invention of anything that would go on to um, revolutionize the world in some way. And, um, and the acrimony that... Uh, befell, you know, a handful of the major sort of contributors to, to whatever that invention was. So it's not about typing, and it's not about, you know, it's, it's not a, a roller disco movie. It's not like we're trying to, like, fad hop. Um, it, was, it was just so happens that the, that the, that the creation, that ground zero of this, this enterprise um, was filled with a lot of dramatic possibilities for for um, snarkiness. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm not an authority on this the same way uh, David is, but um, what really interested me about the movie was uh, had almost nothing to do with the fact that it was about Facebook. Uh, you know, the characters in the story are incredible characters. The themes that the story covers are classical. Um, the fact that it's about something topical, uh, you know, is maybe makes it more relevant, um, but uh, is not relevant to the uh, value of the story. What about Facebook and you? What about Mark Zuckerberg and things we read in the New York Times that say, I, I think I read this right, it said, I'm not going to sue them unless it's a big hit. So what is that about? What has been your relationship with Mark Zuckerberg, you as the filmmaker and you as the guy who's playing him? 
Um, well, there was a uh, time and a place early on before I got ever got the before the script was finished. Be- certainly before I got it, because I only got it when it was done. Um, where the, an attempt was made to bridge, you know, um, Facebook's not oversight but collaboration in in telling their side of it, and um, and the there was a list of 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 you know requirements for their for their cooperation or for their involvement, which the first two on it were you can't call it the Facebook and it can't take place at Harvard University. And I don't know what the rest of them were, but I know that Scott Rudin wisely at that point said, I don't really think there's much of a discussion to be had here because um, you know, this is the Eduardo Savrin, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, Divya Narendra, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, Sean Parker story and and we have no um, uh, interest in in shying from that. So at that point, um, I think that they um, hoped that if they ignored it, it would go away. And ha, yeah. I mean, but, but yeah, <laughs> you haven't heard. In other words, There's no, been I haven't. I, I, I you haven't, haven't had a, a special screening for the Facebook staff. Uh, there was a screening. I, w- I wasn't privy to it, so I can't really comment but i know that i know that people have seen it, it and i know that and and you know with anything like this i mean there's been a lot of screenings now and and i know that there are people who've come out of them saying oh my god you nailed it you know there somebody said you know did jesse spend time with mark and and because he's so and then of course there are other people who come out of it going you didn't lay a you know you didn't lay a glove on him so it it's you know it's the unfathomable reality of human perspective there you go so you didn't spend any time with him uh no i've never met mark uh i've developed uh a great affection for him because um you know i spent six months thinking about him in his shoes and uh you know defending his position as the actor playing him Mm -hmm. it's pretty much impossible to play a role if you can't fully understand and you know also defend your character's behavior uh, you know, so even though um, you know the character's doing hurtful things to other characters in the movie, uh, you know it's always coming from a place that that I can sympathize with. You were in his shoes. You were in his Adidas flip flops. So <laughs> did you? That's right. And you're not wearing those tonight. What's the matter? You're not taking it with you. <laughs> Have you haven't you brought anything of Mark Zuckerberg home with you that uh. your loved ones much put up with every single day? It isn't you. You erased him from. I think I stole a hoodie from the set, but yeah. um, <laughs> and I tried to take a computer, but they, <laughs> the prop guy came <laughs> after me. No. Directing him in a role like that, then did you? What was it that you were saying to Jesse that you wanted out of this performance? What were you saying to him? Um, w- um, well, it's interesting. Uh, the, tell you the whole the the whole story is that we had seen um, uh, probably fifty people had all come in to read for Mark Zuckerberg and um, and Aaron and I were working on the screenplay, Aaron Sorkin, who wrote the screenplay. We were working in my office and and uh, Larray Mayfield, the casting director, said to me, there's a, there's a quick time up, there's a plug, <laughs> and, um, and uh, you should see it, it's Jesse Eisenberg and, and, and he's reading Mark. And, and so I went in and I went to my computer and I watched it and he had just done it and in New York, and it had just come to us in L.A., and I 
I just thought, well, that's the guy. So I went and I grabbed Aaron. I said, come here, you should see this. And, and um, he walked in and, and hit play. And, and he looked at me and he said, well, that's, that's finished. We found our Mark Zuckerberg. And, and we both said, okay. So we called and said, Jesse, can you, can you come out to L.A.? And, and he came out and, and we met at my office and he came in and he sat down and... and uh, and, uh, you know, we just started talking, and 25, 30 minutes later, he said, you know, so do you want to, do you want to read, or do you want me to? I said, no, man, you got the part. You're the guy. Like, we're done. Like, you're in the movie. And, and throughout, and I'd, I basically probably didn't say much to you, except I, the entire time we just said, just be more opaque. Like, don't, I don't want to see, I don't want to know why you're doing anything that you're doing. I don't want to know. I don't want to see the wheels turning. I don't want to see any remorse. I just want you to do what you do. And, and, and um, it was pretty spectacular because in, in dailies you could see that um, this was going to be a, a very singular, um, uh, unapologetic Mark Zuckerberg. And that's... I felt what the movie required. What were you thinking, Jesse, during that half-hour conversation? What was, was actually going on in your head while you're trying to be relaxed and have this conversation about not an unmajor part? Uh, I had to pee, and pee. Um, about four hours into the <laughs> meeting, I said, listen, I, I really have to pee, so that's okay, you can go do that. And so I did, and then I felt fine, but uh, I really can't remember what happened prior to doing that because I was just trying to move my legs in such a way that, um, you know, but I was interested to hear his, uh, I'm, I'm fine now. Um, but, you know, he, he as, as David said, he kind of wanted me to, to he, his direction often was be more opaque, and that's not something I was used to, because, uh, you know, in acting class, you're trained to express yourself as much as you can. Um, and... Uh, it was, it was a challenge uh, and uh, and an interesting one to um, kind of figure out how to uh, express these often very conflicting feelings that this character has. You know, he's both desperate to connect and also really struggling to, um, while remaining, um, uh, you know, frequently expressionless. Sounds like the perfect mood to be in while you were auditioning for this part. <laughs> you know, there's everything go the going on in that. Yeah, yeah, that's it, doing right. it. He was emotionally unavailable, at least yeah. from the bladder up. <laughs> David, you have a reputation as being David the ferocious. David, the guy who is going to make these actors do... The last thing I read said 99 takes. There's nine, now, I don't know where 99 came from. I, I'm tempted to ask you what take you printed... You know, which one you went uh, th with. Th this is a little bit of a misnomer. But, but, but um, uh, the first scene in the movie, which is nine pages and had to be done in... Uh, we went through a process. We, we had a script that was 162 pages long. Now, the, the current wisdom as it relates to Hollywood movies is that you, you, it's about a minute of screen time per page. Well, Aaron Sorkin doesn't translate because... Um, oftentimes people are talking over each other. I mean, the, the, the notion that somebody presents their idea and the other person sort of measures that and weighs it and then 
has a retort doesn't enter into this world. It's like people literally just, it's, you're not, it's, each line is not a brick in the wall. It's, it's each, each paragraph is like a dump truck filled with bricks and you just dump it in the lap of the audience. And oftentimes, and this is one of the things that made Jesse so specifically spectacular to this is that you need an actor who can be actively juggling three thoughts at once and their eyes need to betray that they're working on ideas four and five. Like they need to be, they need to be so many steps ahead of, it can't be Chinese checkers, it can't be, it has to be three-dimensional chess. And, and so it's kind of, so the first scene in the movie is, is a scene with Jesse and, and, and um, Rooney Mara and, and they are in a club or in a, in a bar in, in Cambridge and they're talking and, and it's, it's a scene that begins on the, under the Columbia logo and you hear these voices and they're talking over each other and then there's the jukebox and then there's somebody breaking a plate and then people talking, yakking and, and this cacophony of sound and you start to kind of realize what the tempo of this thing is going to be. I mean, the, the notion of this first scene is to teach the audience you better fucking pay attention because this is like, this is happening. Like, and it's going to, and we're going to do nine pages in four and a half minutes. Like that was, because when Sorkin did it, it was four and a half minutes. And I'd gone to the studio and said, we can do that first scene in four and a half minutes. So like the first five or six takes of it, I would say, that was great. Now take two minutes out of it, <laughs> you know? And they would just scramble to dovetail these ideas one on top of it, uh, each other. So. We shot for two days the opening scene, nine pages. We eventually, by take 12 or 15, got the whole scene in under five minutes. And, and we shot with two cameras simultaneously over shoulders at the same time so that they could talk over each other. Probably the first three takes we did with, the, with the, everybody in the bar talking so that they could get an idea of how loud they had to speak in order to be heard over the over the over the cacophony. So um, um, so the first five takes you can't use anyway, but it was just rehearsing on, on tape or on rehearsing on digital. So by the time we got to take 20, which was what, about what we shot for the master, we felt like we had it up to the speed that we wanted. Then we went into over the shoulders, and we did the over shoulders. We probably did that 40 times, something like that, 45, 50 times. And then we went into single coverage, and the single coverage we probably did another 20 or 30 times, and then we did some specials for them leaving, and we did like an alternate master. So all in, over two nights, we shot 99 takes of that scene. Went through it 99 times. I thought you were gonna say, it was only 97. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this no. is all a lot. I've shot 107 yeah. takes of, yeah. of stuff before. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's, that's my high water mark. But it's not something I, I, I'm not itching to do it again. I don't, that's not, I don't get any kind of perverse joy out of it. But you, you, wanna, you want people to, they got to develop a rhythm and they, have to, and they have to get comfortable with one another and they have to get, you know, it's when do you pick up the beer because it's got to match because now we're tied to it because we're doing it on two cameras and we got to pull stuff up and, so it was a, again, it's, I'm not a sadist looking for masochists to involve in my bizarre form of torture. I, I'm That's looking, such a great idea. But I'm looking for people who, you know, I, I want to work with people who, who can 
work, especially in this case with Aaron Sorkin, you, you have to think fractally. It's like you have to think about the space bet between the ideas, you know, and, and it becomes so much about this, you know, I, I described it today, but there's a moment in, I don't know if anybody here has seen the movie 10. Everybody's seen it? Okay. There's a great moment in that movie where Dudley Moore falls down a hill and he just, he's w looking through a telescope and he leans forward too much. He's on painkillers and he literally goes literally head, oh, ass over tea kettle down this hill. And that's kind of what you're doing with Aaron Sorkin. You need to get on a tear and you have to know exactly what it is that you're talking about. It cannot make this stuff up. It, and it all has to work and you do not deviate from the text. It's like you get, you get up ahead of steam and you do a face plant right into it, and, and that's what it is. So that took a, a while. I mean, we did some stuff that was five and six takes. You know, it wasn't like everything needed to be. When in the process of shooting the movie was that opening scene shot? When did you do that? It was pretty much like the first two weeks. I mean, because we were in Cambridge, so, so it was like the, it was probably day five, day six, something like that. Yeah, the first scene? Yeah. yeah third day, third day, day three. When were you finally comfortable with the scene? <laughs> you and Rooney, when you were doing this, when did you feel it was working for you? Uh, to do it that many times, um, I didn't get increasingly more comfortable. I felt comfortable, um, you know, just when the emotion kind of hit at the same time that my character's emotion hits. Um, so uh, there was one scene in the movie in the law in the uh, in the deposition room, and uh, you know, my character has a legal notepad, and, and it was like a. A difficult scene for me. I felt I only got two good takes. There was number 12 and 18. I wrote it down on the pad. Like, I, please only use 12 and 18 when you edit the movie. And um, those are the, also the ones you had, had circled. Um, so it's not, and, and we maybe went up to 40. So it was not like, uh, you know, I got increasingly more comfortable uh, and got to a point where I really felt it was right. Uh, just kind of, you know, peaks and valleys. While you were working with Rooney in this, what was it happening in this where you'd say, like, um Nathan Lane does in the producers. That's our Hitler. Where you said that's my that's my girl with the dragon tattoo. Did it happen uh, while uh, you were shooting? No, I mean, no. It, it was a. I mean, I really enjoyed working with her. I thought you guys were great together, and I thought that she was. She's um, really hard worker, super diligent about um, understanding the text and and all the stuff that had to happen. Um, when we started with Dragon Tattoo, which was way after, I mean, this movie wrapped, and I, I, I don't think that I was thinking of her per se as much as, um, well, Sion, my line producer, said, what about Rooney? And, and Larray said, that, you know, I brought her back in. She's on tape. You should see her. And we saw her and thought, kind of all the stuff that I thought, thought about her the first time I saw her do an audition for this is she's real smart and and um, um, had a she's you know kind of awesomely photogenic in a weird way she can be really plain and I, and she can also be really kind of Audrey Hepburn and gamine and stunning and and um, so it was kind of in the process of that it was it was just one of those things where you go and we saw everybody. I mean, we literally. And, and and I know a lot of shit's been written about, you know, you know, a I didn't know what I wanted, or b I I already knew what I wanted, and I was just out to torture people. Neither of which was true. Um, we, we we had a a really difficult um, void 
to fill because she needs to be a mystery. And, and we needed something that worked. But, but anyway, but she's great. And, and yeah, it was, and it was kind of her. great that he said you both work so well together, and yet you're not on the cast list of Girl with the Dragon. <laughs> so I hope there's no residual bitterness. I'm doing props. Yeah. Oh, is that it? Oh, that's yeah. a good thing. All right, it's time for the audience to ask some questions. So there will be somebody with the microphone. I did wonder what you made of Mark Zuckerberg's $100 million donation to the Newark public school system, sort of right as this movie is coming out, that he seems to be at least somewhat ambivalent about. Um, did you think he was reacting to you in some way? Um, I don't know. Um. Sounds sweet. <laughs> I was going to ask uh, David and Jesse... Um, from your individual perspectives, what it was work like to work with Aaron Sorkin um, as a director and as an actor? Uh, well, I, I was uh, really thrilled to get the opportunity to, to, to you know, read his dialogue. Uh, I've been a fan of his for a long time. I used to videotape um, Sports Night uh, because when I would watch it when it was on TV, I couldn't get all of it and it was so fascinating. I, so I'd watch it over and over again. Um, uh, you know, he... He, he's a great playwright. Uh, I, I've done a lot of plays, and uh, to do like a 10-page scene in a movie is, is very rare, but uh, something that really is exciting to me. Um, and many of the scenes in this movie are, while they're not 10 pages, they're, they're longer than traditional movie scenes, uh, so it was a great opportunity. Um, I was thrilled. I mean, I, I'd met Aaron um, uh, years ago, and uh, or... Yeah, a couple of years ago, and you know he's he's singular. I mean, there's just nothing. There's no one else like him, and he um, he is, you know, he's a voice. You know, he's he's definitely he has a way of thinking about things and the and a way of dramatizing things. And uh, I got a call from Amy Pascal and 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 Scott Rudin on a conference call. The Hollywood Gangbang, and they um, said we have the script. We'd love you to read, and and we're making this movie. and And I read it and was appropriately thrilled with everything that Aaron had um, done, and you know was chomping at the bit to be able to um, get a chance to, you know, cast it and shoot it and make it into a movie. Was he so, on the set? Yeah, Aaron comes down to the set. I mean, he, he you know he's old school television showrunner you know, guy, and he shows up and shakes hands with everybody and introduces himself to, to everyone, and he's got an opinion about it, and, and, and um, which is great, you know, I mean, in, in the end, there were times when you would say, we're not doing that, and, and he would say, okay, fine, I'm out of here, and, you know, but, but there was also times when he would have an idea about, um, you know, some other little nuance that, that he had been sort of keeping, you know, it was the pearl inside he, you know, it was the grain of sand that had become a pearl. It was this thing, and, and maybe it wasn't articulated, but he would say, think about this, and you would go, oh, okay, I, now I, it's, it's like another little sparkle. And, um, I mean, I, I loved having him around because he's endlessly funny and, and witty. There wasn't any, uh, that's the way you're playing this? There wasn't, what? No, he was pretty much what? thrilled. I mean, he was, he, I mean, he, you know, he... I mean, we're talking about like the first half hour to 45 minutes of any day because we would rehearse stuff pretty quickly. I mean, most of the time it's people sitting in chairs bitching at each other. So, it's, so it was 
pretty easy. It was kind of like, we'll be over here, we'll be over here. And he was like, okay, I'm out of here. And um, I mean, he didn't supervise it. He just came to, to lend his, you know, he'd thought about it for a long time. And so it was great to have him there to go, oh, really? Is that what you guys think? Oh, okay, all right. And he would go off. Another one over here in the same spot. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, hello, uh, I have a question for uh, Mr. Mr. Fincher. Uh, it's, uh, uh, how would you say that, I haven't seen the movie yet, I'm seeing it tomorrow. Uh, how does social network like relate to your older movies, especially the game and uh, Fight Club? What do you say? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I probably should think more in terms of what does it mean in the filmography. I just don't. You know, I, I don't. I kind of look at it as would I wait in line to see that? You know, that, and, you know, I've been wrong a lot. So, so I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to think of, I just like to go, is this a story I want to see? Is this a movie? that I would pay to see, and, and this was a definite yes. I just keep thinking of how much fun it would be as a game to create a Tyler Durden uh, Facebook page. And everybody's free to try that at home. Another one a little further in the back. Uh, yes, hi. Um, Zuckerberg has called the movie a fiction, and uh, I think people close to him have implied it. it's a sort of a one-sided hit job. I just wondered how you kind of saw the actual accuracy of the events you're portraying? Well, um, I think that there's the settlement, um, certainly the substance of the lawsuits brought are all public record. Um, uh, not the settlement in Eduardo's case. Um, I think there's certainly every attempt was made. I mean, I have an enormous amount of empathy for um, for the situation that became, you know, the, the sort of dramatic underpinnings of this movie. I don't think, you know, I, I, it was never a, an attempt to um, be a character assassin. I think, you know, we're talking about uh, what happened between one-time friends and 19-year-olds. And um, you're talking about something that is probably fairly unimaginable to most of us in this room, the notion of having something that you talked about in your dorm room be worth $25 billion. So um, I don't know. I don't know. There are a lot of conversations that I'm sure happened that have been distilled and crystallized and may have been crushed and, and rearranged in order to take something that took place over five years and make it happen over two hours. But... Um, you know, I, I don't think it would be responsible for either of us to enter into an endeavor that was simply, you know, a, a multi-million dollar, um, you know, hatchet job. I think that we all felt that the specifics of what we were talking about were probably debatable um, in terms of the perspective of each of the people involved, but that the overall... Um, archetypal, mythological um, underpinnings of the story were, um, you know, something that I, th I think that we got to a kind of truth about a place and a time and a, and a group of people, and specifically the group of people whose names we used. And um, I think that it's, I hope it's fair. 
the intention was to be fair. And, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't go out of our way to make sure that any of the... Um, I didn't want the actors to be doing impersonations or mimicry of, of the people that were involved. You know, certainly Justin Timberlake is nothing physically like Sean Parker, but in the script I needed a I needed an actor who could be for Jesse what Mark's character could look across the room and say, That guy has the answers. That guy's that's what I'm aspiring to. So you know, whether or not um, whether or not they discussed Victoria's Secret models at Ruby Sky, you know, that's that's Aaron Sorkin's, you know, vision of, of how those how that relationship bonded and over what it bonded and and but we do know that those guys are still partners and and we do know that Eduardo has disappeared with whatever his settlement was and we know the specifics of the Winklevoss and we know the specifics of the case that was brought. So that's in terms of the hard facts, what we dramatized. And then in terms of the character interaction, it's very difficult in this day and age to get any, any of the people, even the twins, to agree on, on what happened when. Did you feel at any time, Jesse, that you were being unfair? Did you turn to David and say, I'm, are, are we really pushing this particular moment that we're doing? Uh, no, because I never thought that what I was doing was um, critical of a person. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was... Well, first of all, I thought of it as an actor acting in a scene. Um, the fact that it was about somebody real, we had kind of already, you know, thought about and dealt with, and we weren't focusing on that, you know, while shooting, of course. But um, I, I genuinely felt and still do that everything I do as my character is explainable and I could, you know, you know, that's m what I was hired to do, uh, to go through each moment and each action and interaction and all of his behavior and find a way to not only justify it, but to, you know, sympathize it and be able to sympathize with it and be able to defend it. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, but, you know, watching these, like I know, I I feel comfortable that that's what I did. Since you both did this movie, would you both want to be friends with Mark Zuckerberg under different circumstances? I I think he's a endlessly fascinating character. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't know him as a person. Mm -hmm. I I know him as a you know with Leslie Stahl, and I know him at different conferences where he's talked about his creation, and I and I know him through you know, attempts <laughs> at publicity and, and public relations. <laughs> and I, I find him to be, uh, I, I don't think I would have made the movie if I didn't think at the core of it, you know, the most interesting character was the, was the guy, was the guy around which the entire story, um, now you can say he's, Richard III, or you can say that he's Travis Bickle, or you could say, you know, wh however it is you see him, um, I still feel like he's the smartest guy in any room. He's got, I mean, he's got reams of great Aaron Sorkin stuff. I, I think he's well represented. We have time for two more questions, and we're over here on your left, almost in front of you right here in the third row. 
Hi. Yeah, uh, this is a question for both Jesse and David. Um, you briefly mentioned at the very beginning of the interview that neither of you are on Facebook. Um, and so I'm curious as to your feelings on Facebook being a tool, how it's designed to connect us socially. In essence, it functions antisocially, and the person is sitting alone, operating their Facebook, um, connecting with people. How do you feel that is affecting us as a society, both on a large scale in our networks with each other and then personally in our day-to-day -day lives and relationships? Before you answer that, can I just ask uh, by a show of hands how many people here are on Facebook? Yeah. So okay. one, yeah. two, <laughs> three. Um, I don't think any um, uh, any technology is 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 good or is well or good in you know or evil intentioned. I think it's just a question of how people put it to use. I mean, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't look at Facebook and and or instant messaging or or texting or or any kind. You know, I don't look at that as any bigger waste of time for for you know the youth of today, you know, any more so than Gilligan's Island was for me when I was a teenager. It's like um, television can be just as, it's it's all what you do with it. So I don't think that it's, um, you can label Facebook a scourge. I think that it's, you have to look at it and say, you know, do people use it? Um, do Do people use it a lot for the, antithesis of what it's supposed to be does it allow you to to kind of withdraw and you know kind of project this this image of what you hope the world to take you as yeah and it, and if you it can you know or um but i i don't again i i think it's it's really a question of what we do with these things i, I don't think it's a question of i don't think there's any uh i don't think it's designed any more perfectly to be the evil tool of narcissism any more so than anything. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's uh, to criticize Facebook is to, you know, criticize the telephone. Um, so it's, uh, uh, I, uh, you know, I was thinking a lot about that from my, my character's point of view because he kind of felt uh, a little alienated by traditional interactions. Uh, and so he created this environment where he feels more comfortable. And Facebook's popularity seems to indicate in some ways that a lot of people feel the same way. Isn't it a, a chance to shape your life in some way that would be comfortable to you? Like it would be for Mark Zuckerberg to be the guy who is the boss who can say... I'm it, bitch. I'm the, I am this person now so that I can control it. I can decide to friend who I want to friend and not the other people over there. You can create a life for yourself in that. In uh, yeah, way. that's why I started acting really, uh, you know, for similar reasons. I felt really uh, uncomfortable in school and acting allowed me to interact in an entirely contrived setting that made me feel almost counterintuitively much more comfortable. But you did say before that you were, when you were making this movie, you were catching a moment in time, that there was some moment in time about who we were while this was happening. Who well, were we? Who, who no, really I, were? I, I felt like there, there was a time and a place to make this movie, and I, mm -hmm. and I didn't feel like we should... Um, I didn't feel like this movie... I felt like this movie came out a year from now, 
it might not be as resonant. It might not be as it might not be as current in terms of the the kinds of. I mean, you have to sort of be close. I mean, we're going to the crater at ground zero, but we want to have some memory of what the how big the blast was, and I didn't want to have to make that like a forensic study. I wanted it to be people to go, oh, I remember, I remember hearing about that the first time. I remember when it swept through my school. I remember when it, you know, I, I didn't want that to be too distant a memory. But um, that, that was, all right. It's right over here, same Ooh, spot. Last one, okay. Right here, hi. Hi, this is for David. Uh, you're a kind of a pioneering and uh, cutting edge visual filmmaker, and I was wondering if there's any technology on the horizon that has you kind of excited from a visual point of view. Yes. Um, these guys from Adobe showed me this tracking program that's insane. It's like you can shoot Handycam, it can be all wobbly, and it re-stitches the background together, and it makes these perfect dolly shots. And I'm so looking forward to this. There's also this technology that I, I, I saw, which is like a pin block that has a d bunch of different, it's a, it captures volumetric, uh, it's volumetric light capture, and it takes these it's a it's a really weird thing that shoots like almost like um these out of focus like globs of light and then it reinterpolates them on it so that you can shoot um you could shoot motion footage and decide where you want to put the focus later so you never would lose a take for focus you just capture the performance and then decide what the framing is and decide what the at what plane you want to put the focus later and whether or not you want the background to be soft or sharp or whatever, which looks like that would be insane. All right, last question from me for both of you about the movie. One of you has seen the movie uh, yeah. many times and one still hasn't gone, so maybe tomorrow you'll see it. But I want to know if there's a moment, it just could be a moment, it could be 30 seconds long, that's all I really care about, that resonates particularly for you about the making of this movie, something that you did that has some personal meaning to you. Maybe not to anyone else, but to you. You go first. Um, uh, well, uh, during that second clip you saw where I kind of um, have the monologue to that lawyer, um, there were brief moments where I, I felt good because we filmed all of the, there are these deposition room scenes that kind of are peppered throughout the film and we shot all of them. They take place four years after the creation of Facebook. And um, we filmed all of them at the end of the shooting schedule. And I kind of, uh, didn't realize it, but I had kind of like built up a lot of frustration during the film, you know, through my character of feeling uh, really put upon by these other characters. and. During that scene and some other scenes that are similar to that one, I was able to kind of purge myself of that frustration, and, and it felt it felt really good. I don't know. I mean, I actually, I actually enjoyed the process of making this movie. I think mostly because we had time to experiment, time to play, and time to you know when we asked for a seventy-two day schedule to make a movie like this, you know, a lot of people will say 72 days. I mean, they made American Graffiti in 22 days. What do you need 72 days? It's like in a deposition, every, they just yak back and forth, you know. Um, but it was great to be able to have, you know, a half a day to go through and do that one scene where it's raining, you know, to be able to 
take the time to go, okay, try this, wait a little bit longer, see the window a little bit longer before you turn, you know, try to play with the timing of it to make it. Um, because, you know, I also think that I know I'll look back and, and really um, marvel at the, at the cast that we were able to put together for this film because they're all so different and so perfect for, you know, it's really one of those movies that you, you kind of go, like everybody kind of crosses, a, you know, a threshold at the same time. It was really, it was exciting to be able to watch, you know, a bunch of 20-year-olds kind of come to do this thing that was a little odd. It was weird that this movie even got made. Um, and, and to see people really sort of coalesce, you know, and, and become a, they were a repertory company. They were, um, they were, you know, really five, six, eight people kind of coming into their own, you know, at, at a, it was, it was a real nexus. And, and that was an exciting part of it. It was exciting to be able to have the time to be able to give, you know, a handful, two handfuls of really, really talented people a chance to just go, really, you want me to just, I can just do this? It's like, go, man. And, and, and I think that the movie captures that kind of, uh, you know, frisson of, of, you know, um, actors finding themselves in, a, in a, at an interesting time in their lives. Beginning of something new. Let's hope. Yeah. yeah. David, Jesse, thank you so Great. much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Guys, we'd like to thank David Fincher and Jesse Eisenberg. Keep it going. The film is The Social Network. Of course, this and many more you will find on the iTunes store under Meet the Filmmaker. That's right, many more like An Evening with Oliver Stone. But you may be saying, Matt, I've been there. I haven't seen a Meet the Filmmaker event with Oliver Stone. That's because it's happening tonight at 7 o'clock. That's right, 7 o'clock. We have a doubleheader this evening. Oliver Stone will be here. So if you are here for both events, please stay seated. If you are leaving, please clear a path in the backs for the guests that are leaving may leave. Let's stay organized. But that's right, gentlemen. In just a few minutes, Oliver Stone tonight. So also apple.com forward slash Soho for all your event needs. We have them all there available. Complete list and schedule of events and workshops. Thank you very much this evening. We hope to see you in just 20 short minutes. Thank you.